All right, everybody, welcome to Arm Crossfire with Espion Gavi. And tonight, our special guest is Mr. Paul Lin. Paul, how are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the invite, fellas. We appreciate you coming on the show. It's uh, an honor to have you here and uh, talk a whole bunch of arm wrestling stuff with you. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it. All right. So let's get the show going. And as we're waiting for people to come online here and chime in with some stuff, uh, how about you give us a little bit of background on Paul Lynn? How did you get involved with arm wrestling? Uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's the same lame old story, like, you know, always arm wrestling. Like, as a kid, we all grew up with the sport, right? I mean, I heard somebody say once before that it's the sport that every human being on the planet has done, but no one recognizes as a sport. So, obviously, lunchroom table during elementary and junior high was a big thing. Uh, way to settle disputes and things of that nature. And I was yeah. uh, typically, like everybody is starting off, was uh, pretty good at it. You know, and you think at that point, you think it's just some some raw strength or ability. And if somebody's strong enough to be here, then they're actually just stronger than you and everything. So, yeah. uh, what, are, what about athletic background? Like you obviously are involved with some other stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, <clears throat> a little bit of everything, you know, starting off. Um, obviously, football is my mainstay. But I played just about every sport when I was young, uh, wrestled, basketball, you know, baseball, all that stuff. You know, I tried to stay as busy and, I, 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 you know, as I possibly could. So, yeah. 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 yeah next question is, why are you, you guys are making me look tiny on this uh, screen here? What's going on? Gobby's out angling everybody. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put so you guys can't see the comments, man. We got John Parsons already. Fuck. God, he looks smart as fuck with them glasses. He says, <laughs> I'm putting it on the screen. I like the other phone. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Now. I can All see right. Gobby, take it away, man. What do you got? Um. It looks like me and Paul might, might meet each other for the first time this Saturday in New York State. Um, I, don't, I don't think me and Paul have ever met. I'm about four and a half hour drive. I think Paul's maybe even closer. And we're going to go try to support, um, what's his name's tournament? James Reed. Yeah, um, what's his name? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm bad with names, man. So, But I'm I, I met the guy. He's an awesome guy. Uh, Michelle, too. Awesome folks. And I told him I'd try to support it. So I'm, I'm going to try to go there and try to make 160 and try to have some fun. Yeah, James is a piece of work. I try to support everything I possibly can. The bad news about the state fair is this year is I can't make it because it's on football. It's a it's, uh, Sunday's our long day. It's a Sunday. If it's a Saturday, I'm there for sure. Well, the uh, question but, is, if you're not going to be there, and I was simply going to get your autograph, what's the point of going <laughs> out at all? Well, see, that was my only motivation to go. I was going to skip my meetings on Sunday yeah. to get yours. <laughs> yeah. I can get you Gobby's autograph. That's no problem. <laughs> yeah. I'm selling them on eBay. Yeah. What are the sales up to? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Paul, I, I think got, someone I else, my, my best bet is that everyone buys them so that no one else ends up with them. So maybe <laughs> maybe we'll see Devin take a, oh, man. <laughs> Devin will buy them all up just to make sure no one else ends up with a Gavi autograph. Um, we got John, John Anthony Fernandez. Paul Lynn is the best guy in the sport. That's a great compliment. <laughs> yeah. John's my John's my John's my guy. He's one of he's one of our teammates down here. He's a new guy to the sport. Super awesome, crazy motivation, and he's just been at it hardcore for like the past six months. 
Is Aaron Hickson also in your club? No, Aaron Hickson is is uh, Team Brutal down in uh, Southern Boy. Yeah. 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 Okay, because because he says meeting Paul isn't special. He's just a regular guy. Yeah, that's definitely. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the that's Aaron's Aaron's uh, Aaron, Aaron's one of the, he's a good dude too. That's that whole crew down there in Virginia with uh, Team Brutal and Sit Downs and Steve Standaway. We go down there and support as much as we can. Nice. Right on, man. Right on. So, Gobby, you got some questions from our guest here tonight, right? Yeah, I'm just going to play a quick game with Paul. Um, Paul's such a nice guy. Sometimes I think he puts too much um, – his answers are too polite. Um, so I'm just, just going to throw five quick questions at Paul and see if he can answer them as quick as possible, see if we can get a, as, as authentic an answer as possible. You ready, Paul? Are you Paul? testing out my cliché skills? Yes, sir. I've been working on my cliché skills all my life. Sir, I, I will never I will never quit Facebook until one day I see you snap on Facebook and just give it to somebody. Until that day happens, I will never quit social media. So you're I, saying I have to – so everybody out there who wants you off of social media, that's all that has to happen? You lose your shit against someone. Just lose your shit and start freaking out on someone, and I'll be like, uh, I'm good to go. I've, I've lived my life. <laughs> that's the last list on my, my bucket oh, list. Oh, man. Make that happen. That's going to happen. That's inevitable at some point. No time. fucking way. Never. I can't even see it. Maybe, maybe you might try to do it, but you know, at home you'll be you'll be having a fucking smile on your face. There's no way you can ever muster up the, the hatred or anger to do that. <laughs> oh, you don't know me, man. You really don't. Oh man, <laughs> you really don't. I just I maintain I maintain composure as much as I possibly can. Yeah, in I public see and on social yeah. media. Yeah, but I, I definitely have a, a different side when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, I find you. I find you. You're like Travis. You're articulate. You know the sport very well. Except you're just a really nice guy, right? But like, so you're like a, the best of both worlds, you know. <laughs> so here's the deal, man. And here's really what it is. And I've said this before. I talk a lot to CJ and some of these other guys in the sport. And <laughs> I'm not. I'm not really a nice guy. Like in in previous lives and through lives and, and through football and everything, you know, that was definitely not my persona at all. But getting later, late, you know, being finding the sport at 35, 38, you know, um, it's an opportunity to try and be a little bit more positive with things. So I really try and keep that in the forefront of, uh, of my brain, especially as I'm getting older, I'm calming down. Okay. Gotcha. Anyway. So what are your five questions? Okay. The okay, crowd ready? is waiting, man. You ready, Paul? It's going to be quick. It's like, all right, let's go. Okay. Favorite football team? Eagles. Favorite football player of all time? Oh, Dick Buckus. What's your middle name? <laughs> Frederick. <laughs> Favorite movie of all time? Oh, I cannot answer that. There's so okay. many. Okay, pass. Last question. Can you beat RVJ in a super match? <laughs> Four Mississippi, We're, five I'm Mississippi, sure six Mississippi. at some time. At See, some that's, time. that's lame, just, man. Just say yes, man. Just yeah, say yes. Fuck. That's how you get the match. We'll find out. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> One day. Jesus Christ. Not this year. Not this year. <laughs> it's like having the president well, of the United States on. You're not going to beat him this year because you didn't get the match, but you were in the consideration. There was uh, that teaser that Well put out there. Yeah. That uh, had yourself and well, yeah. a couple other guys, whoever right. they were. And, and, you know, kind of how they posed that was like, hey, we're going to put this out there and see what see what everybody thinks on social media. But it absolutely will have no bearing on who gets the match. So. Yeah, I'm glad you added that because I think if there was a poll on social media, you might have won it. And um, I would have liked to see that match too. Right. But it is what it is. 
I got a ton of guys in the in the comments section here. I'm just gonna do some quick shout outs, you guys, if you don't mind. Uh, Dave Pothier, Nick Huck, uh, Chuck Bardo, BLM is in the house. Robbie Ellis Espy, what's up? Great show. What's up, Gobby? Gobby. <laughs> JT Sear, what if he gets mad at you, Gobby? <laughs> Kevin Kirk, thanks for doing live, gents. Composure is key. Jason Merlot, and a bunch of other stuff. Some stuff about the Eagles suck. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what else you got, Gobby? Um, well, I wanted to ask Paul what he thought was the, um, in, in his opinion, what's the deepest and most talented state in uh, arm wrestling state in the, in the USA, in his opinion? I mean, you know, I'm going to say Pennsylvania. Oh, that's, man. That's, that's a given. That's a given. But I mean, like if I had, if we really had to look at it across the board, I mean, California has been yeah. like a perennial powerhouse and some of those Southern states like Mississippi right now is, is great. Obviously Georgia and Ron Vassal. I haven't gone down South enough to really say. Those Can guys I, are putting amazing tournaments on, though. Yeah, I studied um, while well, just looking at Mississippi a couple of years ago. Um, there was a, like a Mississippi team photo uh, of the team that practiced together, and I had a theory that there was not one puller under two forty in uh, the state of Mississippi. Those are some big fucking guys. Like that, that is a, I won't say fat. That is a very big, big state. There are a lot of big, 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 big pullers. Like I would never want the state of Mississippi mad at me because if 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 every state. Had their own football team that was a non-pro football team. Mississippi would have one badass team. Seems like they're they're averaging six four three twenty. It's a big team, big guys. Right. I'd love to go down there and practice. I think that'd be great. And sometimes, you know, we have a lot of we got a lot of heavyweights up here. But like, uh, you know, Dave Chafee's obviously on another planet. You know, but when it comes to like the the pros in Pennsylvania, the super heavies, I think that's kind of where we're a little thin. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I I remember seeing a similar picture down there, like BJ Fukakis's team. Jesus. Enormous, all of them. Yeah. Uh, some of them make him look small, and he's 6'5, 280 right. or something. Wayne crazy. Withers, Wayne yeah. Withers, monster. Yeah. That's crazy, man. <laughs> yeah, so it's really, it's really hard for me to weigh in on that. You know, like, until I've traveled, I ain't been around enough to, to really say uh, yay or nay. I, I know that, like, as far as middleweights, lightweights, you know, and light heavies, we, we got a ton of guys. Like, I'm not at a shortage for guys to practice with. You know, so that's definitely been a benefit, you know. And when you start looking into, like, some of the guys that aren't quite as active as they used to be, like like Anthony Snook, and he's just around the corner from me. This guy's, a, you know, this guy's a beast. When, when I got into the sport that's in 05, yeah, Snook, between 2006, 2009, Snook, even going up to 198, that dude was so fucking amazing. Uh, pure, pure, pure top roller. And I mean a clean, you know, not even one of these – rising in the setup, cheating with top rollers. I mean, legit, uh, tactical, mechanically sound top roller. I mean, he was awesome to watch. Even though I wasn't a top roller, just watching him do his thing and looking at and saying, I couldn't do anything. Like, I, the way I pull, like, I would just, he eats up. He, he always ate up hookers. Like, he, he was an awesome guy to watch and, and an awesome guy, too. Um, yeah, I miss Snook. Yeah, I, fi- I find him, I mean, I've practiced with him a ton. I pulled him. He is, he is almost, he's pseudo-impossible to hook. Like, Fuck. Very, yeah. very hard. He has such an open angle. Yeah. His wrist is completely dumped and his forearm's so long. And he doesn't, like you said, he doesn't jockey too much on the setup. He just wants something, uh, he just wants something fair. Yeah. And as long as he has something fair and he feels good enough in the strap, he fires yeah. off sideways. 
like you, yeah, like you said, he's not posting. He's doing that low hand with a, lo- a lot of side, and that is a nightmare for a hooker that needs his back fingers to contain him. And he is just a brutal. Well, his setup too is something like you won't yeah. see. Like he has both feet way under the table. Yeah, he, he sits on his lock, which is way over. That's right. And he That's just right. leans back on it in the setup, and then he's able to from this position be able to go like sideways a hundred miles an yeah. hour. And and unlike many top rollers he seemed to be as good if not better in straps he was an amazing strap puller as well which is not not overly common for rollers right yeah. wrist is super yeah. strong too oh big time big yeah. time yeah i mean you got sam harris sam harris 54 76 he's a right if not one of the best in north america top right. two top three arguably so yeah you definitely gotta um i think todd hutchins is ohio right now eh? is it ohio yes. todd yeah yep. mm-hmm. um yeah yeah definitely definitely strong yeah, you got the, the whole the, the whole Erie crew now. They're they're pretty far away from me. I'm closer to New York, New Jersey, and Delaware, and Maryland than I am from Erie. Yeah. But you got that whole crew out there as well. I do so, notice you you train with Dave Morocco a lot. It seems like he has a pretty good uh, contingency down in his 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 uh, his house is a pretty good training setup. Yes, unbelievable. And Dave knows everybody. So yeah. Dave, Dave has has an incredibly like he has like a gym in his basement. He has a CrossFit gym in his garage. He's got like four or five tables, and he has a team that practices every single Thursday. And then, like, twice a year, he puts basically an open invite out to, like, every puller that he knows. So, like, you could go there on a Saturday practice and be there with Marcio, yeah. Craig Toulier. He'll fly people in. He's, he, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, he's a good dude. Um, I, I thought he was going to get mad at me because he, he had a super match over the weekend. And let me tell you, it was one optically ugly match to watch, and there was – I think I counted 39 elbow fouls. Oh, you, yeah, you came. Listen, I talked to Dave every single, like, pretty much every single day, and your name came up in conversation. Yeah, I bet it did. <laughs> was, it stra- was it stab or strangle? Was it, I'm going to strangle? No, him, no, gonna... no. He, it, it, and Dave gets animated, too, so he wasn't that mad. He said, I don't know about that guy, though. I don't know what he was talking about there Bullshit. for a minute. <laughs> but he, he, he's not mad. I've seen you him. You're not as popular as you thought you were, Gabby. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, his his move is a uh, he has he doesn't have a king move, but he has that low drag counter hooking thing where he draws back on the and he's a big guy. So on that back of the pad, I mean, any guy with that move, any man that size, his elbow is borderline at the end of the pad always, right? right. And and I could tell like when when we can see him on his side, uh, he was fouling, and when he was on the opposite side, I even though I'm not there and I'm not the ref, I can just see that he's an inch off, two inches off, and I felt bad for. Uh, um, was it Jeff Reichardt? Is it Jeff? Josh. Uh, Josh. Josh. Uh, I'm like, because that, that dude's diesel, right? But, I mean, and, and Dave keeps floating his elbow. Like, like Josh would make a run for the pin, get within an inch, Dave would float his elbow. Like, that to me, if, you're, if you need to float it to pin or to prevent a pin, that's a foul. That, that's a, you have to call that. But they weren't calling anything. Right. Uh, you know, Dave, Dave's fouled a lot in a lot of matches. And I can say, I don't, he... It's strange, but I genuinely don't think he's doing it intentionally. You know what I mean? Like, so, and I think, but I think the rules on that match, they had, it was AAA rules, but they had, uh, they had three fouls in place. So I think that that definitely had a, an impact on the the outcome of that match. Oh, maybe. Okay. There you go. Because I, when I, I tuned in, I actually was only able to tune in for like a minute. And I saw like, I saw a second foul on Dave and I was like, oh God, he's losing. You know yeah. what I mean? And apparently he won that match once my phone cut out. So, yeah, three one I think. Yeah, yeah, good for him. Keep going, Gabby. What else you got? All right, because Paul. I got a ton of stuff that I want to talk about, but I don't want to take away anything okay. from our guest here yet. Now, I got I got one question for Paul when he when he settles in there. 
Sorry, I had to go get it. When he's done and you're drinking your Smirnoff ice. Yeah. <laughs> what a low, low fucking calorie pink raspberry. Like, what a faggy drink. Oh, my God. <laughs> that sounds like something I would drink. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah, a little vodka cranberry gobby. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, Paul. So hypothetical here. I've done this with Ryan and I'll do it with you. Um, we're both in pads. The football set at the 20-yard line. You're at the 10, I'm at the 25. Oh. <laughs> Can I score? I grab the ball. I, I, so you got 10 yards, I got five. It's like a typical football drill. Can you and we're, in, we're in the middle of a football field? Yes, sir. Can you run me down? Absolutely. Or do I this Chris fuck off? You know, Absolutely. Oh, my God, Gobby. <laughs> what is, Dude, why I, do you I, keep I, doing this to yourself? I think you, it would just be obliteration. Dude, I, I, I can <laughs> There's a lot of I space. Can, I can go side He's putting it in the middle of the football field. He's got a lot of wiggle room there and a lot of space. Four, four, he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna dominate you at football and he's gonna beat nope. me in a fight. Four, <laughs> dude, I, Paul, I got four, four, seven speed in college. I can go sideline to sideline. You're gonna fucking eat my dust. Where, where, where'd you wait? Hold on, wait, 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 wait. You play ball in college? Yeah. Where? Yeah. Up in Canada. Quebec. Did you? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I played. Uh, I, I tried out for linebacker, didn't get it, and they put me as a halfback. Right, right. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you had the stature for linebacker. So I was, at, at the time, I was 225. I was five, you were 225? Yeah. Five, when I was in my early 20s, I, hit, I was 225 for about a two-and-a-half-year period. 225, 227. And I ran, I ran at, that, at that time, it was just over 4.5. But when I was a little bit uh, – when I, when I tried out, I ran a 4.47. I'm going I'm to have to ask for picture evidence yeah. of this. It's, 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 it's been, I need to see it too. Yeah, yeah. It's been out there. It's been out there. You send me the photos and I will post them as yeah. part of this video. The fact that you played college ball, my respect level just went yeah. up another notch. So yeah. Um, <laughs> I yeah. didn't know that. I had no clue. Yeah. Low center of gravity. Um, yeah. I, I was able to move. Um, now, now. All right. So, so if you, if you actually ran a four, a four, four unofficial or whatever, official, whatever you want to say, if it's a four five, it's a four six, whatever, you're faster than I am. But now, if you put if you put if you put us in if you put us in a, a phone booth and you got to score from there, in an Oklahoma <laughs> you don't group, think you don't. What do you weigh? Two two twenty? Right now, probably two fifteen. Yeah, right you you don't think because I'm a little bit lower a lower center of gravity, I can get under you under the pads and push you back? I'll get low, baby. I'll get low. With <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I'll con- I'll concede to you. I'll concede. I just wanted to throw that hypothetical out there. Um, no, I like it. It's good stuff. Yes, sir. <laughs> Yeah. All right. All right, you guys. We have a ton of stuff about uh, – Let's. oh, boy. Let's talk about WAL. The first question we had in the feed was well, one of them. Uh, well, it was for me, I guess, but I'll ask you guys, what do you think about them putting in left-handed matches in WAL? Do you think you'll get your shot next year? You guys go ahead, if you want, on that question first, and then I will chime in at the end of it because I'm a little bit uh, – I got mixed feelings about it, but go ahead. Rock you guys, go you ahead. guys are both. Go ahead. I figured you guys would be all over it. I'm not a lefty, but I, I, I think I can compete well enough left arm that I don't be in the mix. So when I look at that, I mean, obviously it, it, it cuts down the amount of time that, that can be spent on the right arm. But I think it's awesome, especially when you look at the middleweights and who's really out there. Like the W, the WAL athletes that are currently out there, almost all of them have either a dominant left arm like Solaris Talbot. Um, even Quinlan Mendez, Nicholas Nonestad, all these guys, there is opportunities in that middle weight class for great, great left-handed matches. 
And then if you throw, you know, Storm, you throw guys like Kenny Smith into the mix, I think it would be absolutely phenomenal. I'd probably be struggling to tread water, but I would love to do it. Well, my opinion is that it's it's awesome, but I think that the only reason that we have it is because Devin needed to be on. They, they needed Devin on the card to bring viewers to WAL. Uh, do I wish it was me that got the nod against Devin? Absolutely. I had talked about it the last few times we were on this show, and I even brought up the fact that there's a monster in South America named Wagner Bordelato, and here we are, a few days removed, who gets the match? We're talking about Devin Laird versus Wagner. Um, I think I'm excited about the match. I want the winner. Do I think I'll get it next season? No, I don't. I think that it's a, a one-off. Uh, I hope they stick with a left-handed series or at least have a feature match once in a while. But um, I feel like I got shortchanged a little bit. The last two official WAL tournaments that uh, they had, it was me and Travis in the final in both of them. And, um, man, to me, that match would have made sense either against Devin or against Wagner. But uh, if they ever consider continuing on with the left, I, so, hope I'm con- I hope I'm considered. The rumor that I'm getting um, after talking to a couple people is that this is the gateway match to it. Well, it's a great gateway match. Like, if it – if. I mean, I, I absolutely, like, we're going to do a prediction show coming up in the future, but I think Wagner is going to get that match. Really? I think, I think he's going to win. I don't know enough about him. I did, like, some loose Google research on the guy, and I've seen some matches, and I see he's super animated. Uh, so I figured that the animation, you know, along with some some huge, huge wins is kind of what got him the nod. But I, I guess he's apparently he's better than than I know. He is a killer, and he has always been a class below – at the World Arm Wrestling Federation, uh, he was always two forty-two, and but he is—he's killed in that class, and he's been a dominant left-handed arm wrestler for a very long time. And uh, with the way he just shoulder rolls and just dives right in, that's—I don't think a king's move is going to beat that. <laughs> Not with the—I don't think so. I think that's right where you need to be to, to topple that king's move and. Um, and then the real question is, can, can Devin really execute that with the left the same way as he can with the right? Yeah, exactly. And, um, I, man, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think at very least you'll see Wagner take the first two matches, at very least. And then it becomes the question, Gobby's shaking his head because yeah, he's God, not agreeing. I, I don't know what he's God either God. not agreeing with me or he's disgusted at the disgusting left-handed match that's going to happen. But, <laughs> but it's going to be the third match is the question. To me, is uh, can Devin slow him down and bleed him enough that it becomes a match at that point? Gobby, let's hear what you got. Um, I hope it's a gateway. I don't buy it's a gateway. I, I think there was a conversation conversation that took place where Devin said he really wanted to be on the final card, and they said, "Well, dude, your right's injured." And he said, "You know, I'm not going to say throw me a gimme because uh, that's no gimme. That's no gimme, absolutely." However, um, I hope it's a gateway uh, to to more left-handed matches. You have to believe that at one point they do open it up to left-handed matches because fans don't give a shit right arm, left arm. They just want to see personalities match up with good matchups. Uh, they just want to see good arm wrestling or dramatic arm wrestling um i just think um this this screams out um their poster boy wanting a match or them really wanting their poster boy on the card um regarding uh bordelato i mean 
uh, back in the day when, when Michael Todd was standing up in arm wrestling, he decided to go straight at this guy and, and had his left arm shattered. Um, that was a brutal, um, a brutal video as well. The problem with this guy is he's brutally strong in that one move, but he's one dimensional. And I, I think you both underestimate the king, the king of all kings moves. Um, and also, if this was taking place at WAF with rigid rules, of course he's favored. But now, now Devin can bring in all the games and all of this and all of that and run to the back of the pad with a little bit of pronation. And yes, he might lose the first, but he'll play, you know, he'll call foul, he'll call, uh, he'll do a lot of shit with the ref early on, and uh, he'll eventually get over on his hand and he'll king it. Um, and he'll come out with a 3 1 or at worst case scenario, a 3 2 win. Um, because let me tell you, he cannot stand up with this guy and go and go arm to arm. Uh, not many people can at all. Um, even if you pulled him, which I would have loved to see that match, Ryan, um, you're hand heavy, right? You're, you're coming right, out, right over him strong. I don't think you want to get lo- uh, caught underneath his, his press. Um, I just, uh, I think this Devin can king him. Uh, a wall king, um, it opens the gates for a deeper type of king move, and I think Devin can get this. Um, so I think we're going to see a king move, and I think we're going to see Devin winning three two or even three one. Yeah, but but yeah, I just hope it it um, it's opening the doors to more left handed matches because I think that's wall wall has to go that way. Uh, right. That logic is sound too. Yeah. I feel like you know with 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 it, with the, 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 a lot of the guys coming into the league, and, and aside from aside from uh, Danny Tesh, it seems like a lot of people have struggled with the with the WAL setup and the goes yeah. and the fouls. I think that definitely will play a factor for sure. Yeah, there's also a conspiracy where maybe they're trying to keep left out of it so Gobby doesn't make it on a card one day because Gobby's left under 165 is a bad fucking arm. Uh, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Hey, you, hey, you would be great for it, man. You would be yeah, great. I, for it. I, I think I'd be better as a fucking ref. You'd probably see a fist fight or a couple uh, I know pushing. You've been and... lobbying for the ref thing. I, I like that too. Yeah, but I, I don't know. <laughs> If you're reffing strict like that, rigid, that might throw everything off. You'd be fired in about, well, it's not, it's one, not, in about half a match. Not, you'd see Cafe to Black and you'd turn it, the <laughs> screen comes back on and Bart Wood's standing back up there. <laughs> cops, cops in the background hauling some of that off. Back to back exit. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I, I just think it'd be good for. Uh, it's good to see. Uh, like even in WWE, at one point you had refs get into it with with. Oh. You know, you'd have like Stone Cold Steve Austin as a ref. So sometimes you want to see altercations between a ref and, and an athlete, where the ref right. holds his ground. And I think it's not the, the end of the world if you know um, the ref and the you know tells the puller to shut the fuck up, and the puller doesn't like that, and there's a little bit of jockeying. And I don't know. I don't think it's. The yeah, I've seen. I've seen, and I've heard Bart do that. He's like, you know grabbed a hold of the guy and said, look, here's how it is. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, it's entertaining. Yeah, yeah, well, for I, sure it's entertaining. We got a couple of good ones in the feed. And Paul yeah. Lynn, for you, do you believe Ryan Bowen's side pressure is good enough now to give you a tough match? I mean, don't, you dare, don't, don't you dare say yes. Don't you fucking dare say yes. <laughs> I think the guy's improved, okay, for sure. Like, I mean, listen, the bottom eight thing that happened, regardless of how that, how that ended up, we had a lot of people who were disbelievers of Ryan's who changed their tune. You know, I, I spoke to Evan a little bit, you know, about it and everything. And do, do I think that the side pressure improved enough for it to necessarily change the outcome? I don't know about that. I don't gauge my side pressure, but um, he's definitely most certainly improved. So it, it's, it's hard for me to say, but... I feel confident where I'm at right now. Good. That's, I'll take that answer. 
I've been. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll put that through the Gobby translation filter. No fucking way. I know you can't say no fucking way, but if you can say no fucking way, you'd say no fucking way. Uh, yes, he did improve, but you know what did he do? He beat a 157 pound Gobby with his weak arm. He beat a drunken Evan who, because of the he was a crowd favorite, he made some tactical mistakes and bled his own arm out. And then he beat. Guerrera, who was a one-dimensional puller and avoided side pressure. Um, so yes, he's made he's made leaps. I've I've had to um, come and say that I was wrong about him, and he's made great strides forward. However, um, I still don't think he's ready for. I, I think you're 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 a pretty good candidate to even uh, tackle RVJ only because you have a decent hand. But w- what's missing in a lot of those 198 uh, dudes is just straight side pressure to give RVJ a tough match because no one's taking his hand. They're gonna have to deal with his arm. Todd Hutchins coming down to a catchweight can do it. Right. Other than that, Brendan, all these guys are, are hand heavy and don't have the arm. It and of course Ryan Bowen would have no chance. But I think you're one guy that I think has the arm, and uh, and it's not like your hand is terrible where, where Rob can top roll your hand. He's gonna have to deal with your arm, and I think you have the arm to make right. it one hell of a good match. Well, I, I don't largely largely I, I I found it you know that usually the path of least resistance is to go outside, especially in tournaments. But when it comes to really where my strength is, is is definitely inside. And, but I very rarely do it unless it's a unless it's a heavier man who wants to go there. Um, so yeah, my my issue with that, and there's no there's no hiding it, is the initiation of it. And I spoke to you about it before, Gabby. Yeah. I'm not just my confidence level with initiation of a hook on the positive side is not that of Craig Tulier's. You know. Yeah. So, but whenever I when I get there. Uh, you know, usually in, in in the middleweights, if I get there, even at this position, you're good. I feel fine with a cup. Yeah. So yeah. The, the problem with against Rob, you can't right. hang out there with Rob. Nope. Um, you'll, you'll have to you'll have to go match. will have to go to strap. And um, yep. the problem with most guys that high hook or have a decent <clears> hand <throat> is they never have to force containment. So right. it's hard to say to someone, well, this is how you force a hook when the guy rarely ever has to force the hook. Right. Um, I've been forcing the hook for 15 years, so it's it's first it's it's second nature to me. But um, with with a couple tweaks and some some good strap training, I think I think uh, you can give Rob one hell of a match. I think you're the only one, uh, aside from Todd coming down, that can give him one hell of a match. Uh, will we see it? I don't know, but I know that everyone else is is a is a notch below yeah. all of you. Well, I think I you know I train with Storm, and you know I go up there at least every other week, and he is uh, you know. Despite despite uh, having some some personal issues lately, he is super super strong and he is getting more comfortable, you know, with our training with being inside too, and he's becoming very very formidable inside. So I, 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 I predict I, uh, I predicted he was going to beat RVJ, and when he lost RVJ in the fashion that he lost RVJ, I was right. shocked. The storm has a his his hand is absolute iron. His wrist is amazing. His strap game's good, and he's got a good arm. It's not like he he has a light arm. He's got a wickedly strong arm. Um, just got to give the Rob just came in crazy strong that day. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, what do you guys think of that match in the final then RVJ's title match? Justin. Yeah. Yeah. Bama bull. Yeah. How do you think it's going to go? Um, go ahead, Paul. <laughs> go I mean, ahead, Paul. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I, I, I want to see it. I want to see, I want to see it be a war. Um, I'm sure Justin's training really, really hard. I, I think the I think I think he steals a match. I think he's clever enough. I think he's good enough in the setup. I think he steals a match. I would like to see it go down to the wire, um, but I guess I, I would think in order for it to be really close, Rob would have to be 
taking it, not taking it seriously. Um, I, I, I have not pulled Justin, so I cannot really say. I fooled around a little bit on the table with Rob, and I know exactly how strong he is. Um, and that, at that point, he probably wasn't fully trained up. So the guy is pretty much in control of wins and losses based on his own work ethic, I think. So wherever he's at mentally, commitment-wise, he's largely in control of, of the outcome. Um, That's an interesting comment. He might be, uh, maybe he takes it a little bit lightly, you think? I don't know. I mean, look at it. He, he, had, to, he had the hammer match with, I don't even how many months ago, five, four or five months ago. So it's been a while. So the real question is, what has he been doing? Uh, they haven't announced that match to him. They hadn't announced it to him until right, right when they put it out to everybody. So basically, he has four weeks to train. And then we have to look back and say, all right, well, what has he been doing in the, in the previous 12 weeks or, or, you know, 18 weeks? We don't necessarily know. Um, if he has been training at the same level he was training for his first match with Craig, I mean, he's in, he, he's in the driver's seat all day. Now, if he slacked off at all, now he's just trying to play catch up. Then maybe it could be interesting, but I think he's he he what he did in the past four weeks and what he does in the next four weeks is going to be totally the deciding factor. I think. I love the match actually. I think it's uh, I love an underdog match. Right. It's um, uh, I think it's going to be entertaining, and I think it'll be a good match. But I think uh, I could be completely out to lunch here, and Gobby probably thinks I am this time around that, uh, and it'll be a blowout. But. You're, you're, you're both fucking nuts. Um, <laughs> it, this, this, it, for this match to be close, Justin needs six to eight months to get up to walk around, a walk-around weight of 195, 200. Um, four weeks isn't going to do it. I love Justin. He always speaks his mind. He fucking backs up everything he says. He fears no one. I love the guy, but he's a 185 guy going against a 205-pound thoroughbred. Um, he, he needs his pronation. He's not going to get his pronation. And if he does, it's going to be brief. Now, you make a good point, both of you, talking about RVJ coming in um, slightly uh, taking taking uh, Justin uh, lightly. RVJ did that a couple years ago versus Kenny Smith and got beaten bad in a hook. Since then, I think he was embarrassed. And, and since then, we haven't seen RVJ come in soft in anything. Um, and I think I'm going to take the other route. And I think not only is he not going to take him soft, he's going to come in to try to destroy him, mock him, and show what the disparity is between him and the next t- toughest guy compared to every other weight class to show that he is Wall's number one puller Overall, uh, pound for pound, the best athlete on their card. And I think he's going to make a statement with Justin. And I love Justin. But this is like, they're kind of not in the same weight class in my mind, unless Justin can can put on 20, 25 pounds. Um, Paul walks around at 215, and I think he can make a great match at 205. Justin's walking around at, what, 185, 182, 187? I don't know. But he's, he's a very lean, um, hand-heavy puller that can't rely on that defensive hook. And he's not going to take RVJ's hand. He's not going to get everything he wants in the strap. And he might get on his side of the table, but that won't be enough because uh, because Rob will get it to the arm. Um, right. I mean, we saw we saw Justin pull 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 Storm, and he got eight up. Could, I mean, do you see RVJ him beating RVJ after that? I mean, RVJ played with Storm. Storm played with Justin. I mean, I love Justin, but I just think um, right. this is the biggest match in that fucking that that guy's fucking career. And uh, I hope he makes it a match. But right. he's got to come in. At, it's got to be like a, a twelve to one underdog. It's it's got to be pretty drastic. So I do think he I do think he walks around a little bit bigger. Does he? And okay. I, I will say the first match with Justin and Storm, there was a point in that match in the first like three to five seconds where it was really in the balance. And at that point, I was actually really impressed by Justin's hand. Um, oh, he's got a great hand. Yes. He's got a great hand. 
Right. So, and, 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 and from everybody that I talked to said he's absolutely like clever, definitely in the setup, uh, especially with changing angles, like his high IQ puller. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm thinking that he can, he can make it a match. I'm, I, like I said, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm just, I'm like you. I love underdog. You know, I want to root for the guy for sure. Yeah. You know, he, just at least make it a match. But you're, you're a hundred percent right. Rob's so gifted. You know, the fact that he can be as large as he is at 205, you know, he's legit. The guy's legitimately like 205 and under. Yeah. And okay, he looks so, like he's 230. Yeah. I just think I, I play the match in my head. So Justin takes the, initi- the initiative with the hit, takes Rob a couple inches to, hit, to, to, to Justin's side. Maybe RBJ rises and goes to straps. Maybe he doesn't go to strap. Worst case scenario, RBJ hooks him late and then it's game over. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Justin, Justin will. Will burn himself up, hold, holding that attacking hook. Burn himself up, burn himself out. Try to get his shoulder behind it, and Rob will just wait him out um, and drain him. Or Rob will just swing him across and do the same thing to him and drain him. But all I know is when they're both wrist to wrist, and it eventually go wrist to wrist, strap or out of strap. Justin's tank is fading a lot quicker than RBJ's because of the weight disparity and the fact that Justin's not a, a defensive grinding hook puller. He's a, he's right. a hand a hand dominant. Now he's got great side pressure. It's not like he doesn't have an arm. It's just he's going up against a man with no weak link. Rob's weak link used to be his mind um, and his strap game. His strap game is still uh, teetering, but it's still it's stronger than it was, and his mind is, is no longer weak. You cannot exploit his, his weakness. There are two guys, I think, under 220 that can beat him, or you know, really 210, and it's, it's you, well, to give him a good match, and there's, there's Herman Stevens, if Herman every fucking, you know, if he, if he, if he ever gets lean enough because he's sitting at like 240 or whatever, but if Herman wants to come down, Herman and you both have the tools to give him one hell of a match and potentially beat him. I don't see anyone else doing it. All right, boys. I'm going to clean up this uh, our feed here. I just want to throw a few things quickly out there. When was the last time Wagner competed? We don't know. Is he the one that broke Michael Todd's left arm? Well, yeah. it happened during that match. Yes, that's true. Uh, they should put Wagner against Travis. Yeah, they should, but Travis and WAL aren't getting along very well right now. Um, should Press beat Kings? Well, <laughs> it depends. Um <laughs> Devin may be hurt. Well, yeah, he's right arm apparently is hurt. Right arm. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, let's see here if there's any questions as I scroll through here. Um, any of you guys planning to make it out to 506? Uh, I don't know, Paul. Are you planning on going out and, and I, being in attendance? I, I wish. It, football yeah. season is like my downtime. I struggle <laughs> – I struggle. I struggle with everything arm wrestling during football season. I still find a way to practice, and I still find a way to train. It's but making making events, especially just as a spectator, is almost impossible. Okay, here's one thing, and um, I don't know how much you're willing to talk about this, Paul. I'm willing to talk about it myself. Uh, Till Bronze, and he's been asking this for a little while because there's a lot of misconceptions out there. I wish someone would go over rights and obligations and signing all the waivers and releases with WAL. Um, for me, it was a waiver, and the only stipulation is that I could not compete on TV in the United States for a different organization. That was it. I was free to do whatever I wanted beyond that. I know that it's different for just about every arm wrestler. So, Paul, do you want to comment on yours at all? You don't have to if you don't want to. No, I mean, it's basically, <clears throat> so it was a five-year contract, uh, and it stated it stated just that, um, that that you can't, that I couldn't be, I couldn't, I couldn't be televised. So it looked like that the, that with the, the protection of it was mainly for BR Live or whatever broadcast company they're using. So it was anything, anything that was being broadcasted through any 
maybe major like media platform or that was for another organization. But, uh, you know, in the contract, it says and in the, the waiver or whatever you want to call it, it says that they encourage you to compete elsewhere, you know, and go support blah, blah, blah. They would ask that, you know, that you don't make bad decisions during the season or whatever. But it was very I actually I had I had a lawyer look over it and he was like, yeah, this is standard stuff. You know, unless you have a better option out there, go ahead and sign it. So that's about the amount of thought I put into it. Um, and then, you know, what's ironic and like, you know, I, I don't know if I think Travis might have talked about it. It's, you know, as as that was happening for me, that big tournament out there in uh, in Vegas or whatever was was brewing. You know, the one that never took fruition, you know. Yes. So, uh, you know, that was something that, that I was like thinking about. I had to think about for a second. And, and in my head, it's, you know, I'm not I'm not that much concerned about restricting myself. Um, I know a lot of other people have different thoughts for sure. I know Herman is, is way, way against it. And I see his perspective 100 percent, too. And, and I think when you yeah. do sign a contract, especially a five year one, you, you know, there's some some major implications. But I have had no um, no issues thus far. Like if I want to pull for pound for pound with Ryan, I have no issue with that. So yeah, I was I was I was able I was still cleared to go out to the NAL finals with Travis. Um, so no issues as of as of yet. Yeah, even the old like I found the old contract to be a little bit more restrictive, and even the UAL contract used to be quite restrictive, but. Right, the, but the I, current I, one is not that big of a deal. I think the first generation of the Elite Series, and I could be wrong, I think actually had a guaranteed pay amount, which was something that I don't believe mine had. Like, you know, okay, you're guaranteed over the next however course of however many years to make, you know, $20,000. Or, you know, the finals, like a hammer match is this amount of money. But that, I think, was the first generation, and that's, that's only hearsay from my – from, but I know that's not in mine. Right, right. Um, here's one for you. This one is a good. This is a good question. I have not seen this one come up uh, ever in our show. Jim Gautieri. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, guys. Can either of them explain? I hope he means all three of us. Their mentality the day of a big match slash tournament. Taming that energy can be draining if not managed right. Just curious how they mentally approach a big match. Jim is uh, Jim's one of the Philly guys. So okay. I met Jim fairly recently. They got a new club started up in Philly. Philly never had any arm wrestling. And now they got, I think they got about 20, 25 members, kids and everything. So they're doing awesome things. Um, I think he has a boxing background. The guy who started the league out there is heavily affiliated with like police and law enforcement boxing clubs. So it's, it's kind cool. of an interesting deal. And they've had some tournaments like in in like a local boxing association. So I, I went to some little small things, but it's fun. But, yeah, Jim's a great guy. Um, as far as the question goes, like it, it, preparation for a big tournament, I think I learned a lesson with the last WAL that it has to be – I have to be 100% focused on that specific match, that specific tournament, that specific puller. And it has to start eight weeks out. Um, so, so basically the mentality towards that is, you know, my diet, my training, uh, pretty much my whole life routine is built around that. And then the mental aspect before the match is huge for me. And that goes back to sports and football and everything. And, you know, I, I just try to basically do the same thing I would do before a football game, which basically is music and meditation for up to four hours beforehand. And then getting yourself working up to that crescendo 
that you're going to need uh, through visualization and just basically mental focus and working yourself up to that point of adrenaline before the match. So I think it's a tricky balance. For me, it's been tricky to get that adrenaline up but still be able to be as clear-minded and as focused need, needed to be able to execute at the table, especially if I have a specific game plan. So I'm still working on that, but I think uh, my last outing was, was the most focused I've trained and it is the most focused I've competed. I actually used to go to a sports psychologist to work on the day of the event type stuff, visualization, and um, I would always adrenaline dump before the match, and I would just work on the meditation and the visualization of kind of being able to bottle that in until I was at the table and then step on the gas. And then in a tournament setting, especially, be able to withdraw from that a little bit until I got called up again. So it, uh, it takes a lot of practice and the nerves never really go away. You just need to learn how to manage them. Mm-hmm. Godly, no comment? Uh, no, it's a, 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 great, a great question. I'm, I'm not a great guy to answer this because I fuck this up all the time. Um, I, I'm, I'm an introvert and social interaction drains me. And I love sometimes going to a tournament. I mean, my gold used to have this two-day tournament where first day was amateur. And I'd go and, and talk to my – support my teammates that were pulling novice and amateur. And everyone would talk to me and I'd talk to everyone. And uh, the next day I'd show up four hours early. And, and by the time I got to the table, physically I felt good. But mentally I was so fucking drained. I could not consume enough caffeine to get myself back up. Um, so now I always thought that if I really had this huge match and I absolutely need to perform, I'd get a hotel, watch, watch TV, close my phone until an hour out. Go get to the tournament, warm up, and pull. Uh, although I've never done that because hanging out with fucking arm wrestlers and talking shit is, is for me is just as valuable as I don't know. It's pretty much why we arm wrestle to a certain degree. Um, so to to quarantine myself off for a day or two and not be able to support my guys or or, or uh, root for arm wrestlers or just go have you know go and watch guys pull it would be would kind of be um, uh, counterproductive. But I can tell you that um, last year when I went to Michigan State, I drove through the night. I got there early enough to sleep, but I my I started you know adrenal started going and I couldn't I couldn't sleep. I show up, I weigh I weigh in, and then I try to go take a nap in my car. It doesn't happen. So by the time the pulling starts, I have maybe twelve hundred milligrams of caffeine in me. I got fourteen hundred milligrams of ibuprofen because my elbows were bothering me leading up, and. I have trouble keeping my eyes open, and we're still an hour out from pulling. And I'm thinking to myself, I should just go to Steve and tell him I'm, I'm, I'm going to pull my name out because I feel like absolute horse shit. And either I'm going to have a bad day or I'm going to hurt myself. But I said, fuck it. I'm here. And what happened was I, I know my adrenals were, were bled out. And I get to the table and uh, fatigued. And, of course, I figure I'm going to go to and out. And I set up. Um, the ref says, ready, go. I, and my, I think my first match was against Dan Blanchard. And it's snap, hook, go. And I, I realize that no matter how shitty I feel and no matter how ba- poor I feel, my body's always going to do and my mind's always – my body's always going to do what it's trained to do. After 15 years, my body's made to do everything perfectly. Um, if, I, if I get no long hook match, I think I could fade because you're just you're, – you're just, when, you're, when you're mentally fatigued and your body's fatigued and you haven't slept, you will eventually lose a little bit of the conditioning and, the, and, and, and you will fade out quicker than otherwise. But in terms of getting my move being – super uh, vigilant on the setup all the little micro details because i've done it and i only have one fucking move and one approach to arm wrestling everything just snaps into place and i was fortunate there were no 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 good hook pullers in my class to give me a a, a good hook hook match they were all rollers which i was able to contain but but i know that if there's enough money on a match and i actually had to win i like i said i get a hotel i shut the phone off um for me i don't know about meditation but i just put on some comedy or some light light comedy series and sit back nap and um 
and just not interact with anyone. That's what I would need to do because I usually go into tournaments mentally uh, drained always. Hmm. So that, that actually brings me a question for you guys because <clears throat> you guys both have, have, have sports backgrounds. In all honesty, how much do you think your sports background outside of arm wrestling helped prepare you for that piece of competition? Because I get a lot of new guys who might not have a, a, a strong sports background and they have such anxiety, table anxiety, and competition anxiety. It's a two-part question. So you think that it did help you? Like, how much of, of what it was for preparation, like, like before, like pre-game or pre-match, like, do you have a ritual you follow? Because I know a lot, of, a lot of people in sports have a ritual that they follow or they have traditional things that they have to do. Uh, Ryan, you want to go with this? This is more geared towards you. Well, I mean, we're talking – Sports background helping. I gotta say that I was an arm wrestler before I did anything else too. So um, if you're looking at powerlifting, strongman, um, and even like my limited experience in mixed martial arts, I can tell you that powerlifting and strongman did not cause me any anxiety as far as uh, or anywhere near or what arm wrestling did because arm wrestling you're across the table from somebody that is going to be doing a lot more than just uh, being a stationary object that I have to move. Um, bench press, strongman, it's you versus an object. So you kind of know what you're up against, you know what you're capable of, and the anxiety isn't as high as when you're facing another person. I can tell you that um, uh, probably... I learned everything I can from actually being an arm wrestler. And as far as rituals go, yeah, I've got rituals. I find I find a, a mantra or something to tell myself, like a one-liner, that I will stir up emotion and trigger adrenaline instantly and get me kind of fired up. And that thing changes from time to time. And that was uh, my old coach, and uh, Miles Wilco, who is – probably the most underachieving talent in the history of arm wrestling um, is the guy that kind of got me going on coming up with a mantra. And he'd say, Junior, and he would come up to me and he'd give me this line. I'd be like, yes, that's the one. And <laughs> that's what I would tell myself leading up to the tournament, walking up to the table, at the table. And uh, that's, that's my ritual, man. That's what it is. That's and awesome. to this day, for the last 20-plus years, I've thought about it, like the week leading up, what am I going to say to myself to really stir up that emotion and adrenaline and really be able to fire myself up and hulk up on the way to the table? And it works all the time. When I say Miles is underachieving, he's the kind of guy that was the opposite of that. He would get to a point where, and when I say get to a point, I mean he'd be in the final at the world championship and he would mentally deteriorate. He would get to that point where it's there for the taking, and he'd say, well, second in the world is pretty good, and that would be it. And that's the highest he ever got. And that that's kind of what his downfall was. And that's you talk about mental preparedness. Right. He was the best until it came to that last match. And I don't know whether it's the break between the, the tournament and the finals or what it was, but the guy should have been a many-time world champion, and he just never was. He's been silver medalist numerous times. Okay. This, this is an, that's an awesome question I'll tell you why because I think a lot of arm wrestlers are scared shitless and they don't they might not admit it um, I can tell you that when I my background didn't help at all because I was a runner and I was a weightlifter and there is nothing nothing 
compared to uh, maybe MMA. One-on-one with a guy whose sole focus is to out-cheat you, out-battle you, out-desire you, and if he wins, probably he's going to slap the table and yell at you. So um, there's a shitload of anxiety in a one-on-one arm wrestling match. Um, when I used to, when I started, I remember going into every match like I was going to get smoked. Every tournament, like I was expecting a two and zero, and to the point where uh, I would throw up in the washroom or even say, "Just do back back the fuck out, get out of this thing. You're you're going to get ripped apart." As the years go by, and um, I just you know get the wins and the titles, I, I still feel like I, I went to a county fair a couple of weeks ago, and I look at I'm going to pull my, my weight class in the heavies, and I'm thinking, I always think. When I go into a tournament and, and I'm five ten minutes, I'm I'm cool as a cucumber until maybe t- fifteen minutes before they call my name, and then I'm thinking I'm not going to win a match. Uh, my elbow starts hurting, my shoulder starts to hurt, and I think I'm not going to win one fucking match. And then I tell myself, nope. "Dude, you've won two hundred and forty titles. You, you you're always you're not the best, but you always perform really well." And what I do to, to I don't have a mantra, but what I do is I take a Buddhist approach and I tell myself, and the more anxiety I get, the the, the more pronounced I tell myself this. But I say. I don't give a fuck uh, if you win, Chris, or I don't give a fuck how you do. You can go two and out. Your only mandate today, your only fucking goal is to fully engage on the ready or the don't move. I am so fucking slow, and I think I've lost so many matches because I'm late to react. So I say win, lose. Let that guy, let my opponent deal with everything I got. And for him to do that, I have to be engaging on the, like, as the, the ref says, don't move. I'm kind of, like, engaging to the point where he says go. Everything is rocking and rolling. And every time I've said that to myself, I always do fucking well. Like, I just think um, training, and I tell myself, the training leading up to it is how you're going to win the tournament. Uh, you're not going to win it through aggression at the table because I'm not that guy. I'm going to build as much horsepower um, and as much containment in my wrist leading up to it that all I got to do is kind of not be lazy and not be slow, and I'm going to do whatever I need to do to win. Um, so I just don't look at results. Even in life in general, uh, when it comes to anything, I try not to look at results and just look at the effort I have to put through, knowing that if I put the right effort through, the results will take care of themselves. Because if you're result-oriented, for a guy like me, you'll go, you'll go batshit crazy. Like, the anxiety is just crazy because I'm so competitive, all I want to do is win. But you're not always going to win. And, and you don't want the anxiety to take away from your performance, and you don't want the anxiety and stress to take away from your love of arm wrestling. So I go into tournaments saying, fuck it. Engage as quick as you fucking can. Know that your training will take care of everything else, and the rest is up to the fucking gods of arm wrestling, so to speak. And I, I just enjoy arm wrestling more when I do that, and I seem to perform better when I'm just focusing on when the ref says go. You just start engaging already, and and that seems to get me in the match. And usually, when I get into a match at a decent position, I usually end up winning. So that's what I do, and I, and I kind of tell guys that I train with, and they're like, "Well, I'm going to a tournament. I really want to finish third. I want to finish second. And I said, "Fuck that shit." Just focus on being the best you can that day. Focus on leading up, doing the best prep, eating the best, hydrating if you're cutting. Everything you need to do, focus on the shit you can fully control. And trust me, you'll be super happy with your performance, whether it's fourth or first. Um, There's an enlightening feeling of doing everything you can and fulfilling that and not worrying about the result. It's almost euphoric. So I tell guys, don't fucking worry about results. Worry about your journey. Do everything you can. And I promise you, you'll be very happy with the result. That's that's a great that's just that's a that's a that's the perfect articulation for it, it can yeah. be applied to a lot of other things too. Yeah. Especially like football. I mean, heck, I you you could have came in. I could I could bring you into one of our meetings and uh, and let you do that two minute speech for these kids. And that's that's spot on. Yeah. You know. You know se- seven months ago, I started a job, and it's a job that I've never done, and it's, I'm not geared for that. I don't have a genetic predisposition for that job. 
and I was struggling at the beginning and uh, I was on three months training and I was scared I'd get uh, not get uh, hired or fired. And I said to myself, fuck it. All you're going to do is outwork everyone. You're just going to outwork everyone. You're just going to work as hard and as fast as you can and, and, and you know, um, do overtime, never show up late, do everything you can fucking control knowing that it's going to end up right. And it ended up right. Um, when in doubt, just fucking work your ass off. Outwork right. everyone, train as hard, be as smart, be as, as prepared, knowing that um, the gods will take care of everything else. Right. And that's that that almost relates back to the, the little video that Devin did with RVJ when he was up there training. Yeah. Like the genetics over work ethic over all the variables. Like how does that really weigh like that that to me that video was really interesting and Rob went back at Devin a little bit and, you know and I, I don't know. I'm I don't know really where I stand on that. But I can tell you that work ethic and genetics are a huge thing yeah. in a sport for sure. Your genetic predisposition and then what you choose to do with it. Now, yeah. I don't really know where the ceiling falls, though, you know. Yeah. But that's, a, that's very interesting because I've had this exact conversation in the last few days with um, one of the guys in Winnipeg. Um, he was talking about how he could train for all this time and still not be able to beat me. And how these guys have trained for years and they're not close to me. But I haven't missed a workout in 20-some years, man. Like, it's, like, it's preparation all the time. Like, are you still training? Are you still getting ready? Absolutely. I never stop. I've taken time off from injuries, but it's not uh, that I'm being lazy and just not doing stuff. And I don't think guys appreciate fully that when you are training for a sport, you don't stop. You just keep on trying to get better and stronger, and um, you yeah. just you don't rest. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you guys both an awesome story. I've, I've trained with different teams. I've probably had thousands of people come in and train, come in and come out. And many times the genetic guys or just many guys, what they do is they try to uh, get a move in. And when it doesn't work and they end up in a vulnerable position, they just, they stop and they restart. And um, about, I guess about nine, 10 months ago, I was training with this local team here, all novices, amateurs. Um, and there's one guy named, and I'll, I'll never forget this. You guys don't know him. His name is Benjamin Beatty, about 240 pounds, not very strong, not very good. And he just decided we were, we were running two tables. I was on one and he was on the other and he was on and off. And at one point he got on the table and he just lined up people and he said, pin me. And he would throw everything he could into the match in a, in a hook and, and he'd hold certain guys and sometimes they'd pin him and he'd go right to the left arm, right arm. And then at one point I got off my table just to witness what he was doing. Um, and he was just refusing to give up. And when one arm would get pinned, he'd go to the left. And he, he went for about an hour straight. And I was almost like in awe. And I said to everyone there, like everyone's not paying attention. They're drinking, they're having fun. And I said, this is the most beautiful fucking thing in our sport. One guy refusing, not to lose, everyone loses, but refusing to quit, refusing to la for lactic acid to have him get his ass off the table and go sit down and drink water. And this guy was not an athlete. He had a gut, nothing special about the guy, except for this 60-minute for this segment, he refused. He just accepted that he was going to be in so much fucking pain and he was just not going to quit. And, and I just, I'm never, and I said to myself, I'm never going to fucking forget that. Like, there's nothing more amazing than pain tolerance and work ethic. And I don't give a fuck titles, blah, 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 money. You see that uh, guy refusing to quit uh, on a practice session and, and going to the left, going to the right. And I mean, beads of sweat, eyes red. I mean, he was, his heart rate was probably about 195. I mean, he was just, but just refusing. And I don't know what was motivating him, but it was just fucking some of the coolest shit I've ever seen in the sport. And I, I fucking, I applauded him like a motherfucker. I mean, that's just... That's that's inspiring, and I try to do the same thing. I'm trying to, you know, just d dare people to fucking make me quit, make me 
make me get off the table, make me fatigue, make me say no more, please. Like that's just the epitome of a of a warrior, and I, I just thought that was fucking amazing. Um, yeah, just thought I'd share that with you guys. I love it. Awesome. One thing I'm going to tell uh, all the guys in the feed, I apologize. I'm not going to get to everyone's comments. I'm just not. I'm going to do my best. There's a whole bunch of trolling towards Ryan Bowen that I'm not going to get into. Uh, it's terrible. I mean, the guy, I think the guy deserves a little bit more respect than he's oh. getting. But whatever. It is what it is. I mean, uh, love him or hate him, he's doing a lot of good things for the sport. So. Jason Merlo, this is a good one. Paul, what are your long-term personal goals in the sport? What is pushing you for whatever success you are looking to achieve? Uh, Jason, Jason's, uh, Jason's one of the guys from, uh, from Marcio's club. <clears throat> he just had the prelim match with Jerome Loud. Just to give you guys all like a little, little, Jason's been looking for a match with Justin Bishop left arm for a long time. Jason has an absolutely incredible hand. Beat Seth practice. Barnett. Beat Seth Barnett. Awesome left. Awesome left. left yes. And and Jason Bale in the same day, he beat Jason Bale right arm. His nice. hand and cupping strength is unbelievable. He just doesn't travel much. But it's, it's, he's a he's a guy that you're gonna you're gonna hear more and more about soon. I'm, I'm sure. And he's committing a little bit more um, to to getting out of his got out of his comfort zone, travel a little bit. So we're gonna be here. I think he might be on the pound for pound card coming up. Uh, when when Ryan gets over here on the East Coast, I'm not 100 percent sure of that though. Um, but as far as my goals go, I mean I'm pretty much focused on um, WAL right now. Um, so obviously, it, it, eventually the goal would be to at some point in time hold a hammer. Um, that's kind of the ultimate goal. I do have a bucket list uh, thing. You know, I'd like to go to WAF at some point. I've never been there. Um, I'd kind of like to work my way up to that. I know what, what the, the WAF finals, I believe, is during is uh, is during football season, which makes it tricky. I would like to go to Zlati at some point too, uh, pending schedule. So I, I mean, and in the meantime, I'm totally satisfied with enjoying the process too. Like uh, you know, it's been it's been kind of stressful. You know, three years in, I made a couple jumps in the last year that I don't know if I was 100% deserving of, but they kind of happened. So it's, it's kind of up the anxiety level towards like what, what tournaments am I going to? What practices am I going to? For the first two years, I either competed or practiced at a high level every single weekend. I mean, I think my first year, I want to say I did something stupid, like 20, 24 tournaments or something like that. Um, and I enjoyed, I enjoyed every, minute of, every minute of it. The smaller ones, the better. You know, It was just an awesome time. So I think I've kind of transitioned into this phase in the career where I, I, Herman talked about it in the past about you got to pick and choose like two to four tournaments or two to four events that you're going to do yearly and focus on them. So I'm kind of morphing as a puller. I've had some issues with my elbow. Um, some it's gotten, it's gotten a uh, little bit more serious than, than I had treated it for the past two years. So I've, I've kind of, I've kind of learned that I absolutely have to tone back a little bit. So as far as gym training, I'm still going to do my, my, my twice a day and I'm still going to go hard as hell in there. But when it comes to like absolutely destroying myself every single week or twice a week on a practice table, I think I'm morphing towards more finite gym training mm -hmm. and really picking my battles and choosing how I practice and trying to practice smart. Uh, I, I, I have finally kind of hit that road bump where I realize that I'm, I'm, I'm not immortal and, <laughs> and structurally things can go wrong. I spent like the first. I spent like the first two years of my sport, my my time in the sport, hearing arm wrestlers talk about injuries, and in my in my meathead brain, 
from football and everything else. I'm like, these guys, these aren't injuries these guys are <laughs> talking about. These guys are sore. They're hurt. You know what I mean? So every time I would be sore or I would feel like it was hurt, I would just push through it. And I would meet, I me headed my way through the past two years of a legitimate injury. So this is my living and learning. Um, and, and, you know, I try to, you know, everybody says, listen to your body. At some point in time, you got to, you probably got to listen to a doctor too. So yeah. I'm, I'm learning from that. Yeah. So right now the goal is to chase a hammer, hit those bucket list things and stay as healthy as I possibly can and continue to get stronger. That's pretty I, I find the, the arm. Go ahead, Chris. Sorry, go ahead. I, was I find say, arm wrestling is kind of. I want to say it's interesting that you're kind of going backwards here, Paul, because when I say backwards, you're doing the WAL thing before you decide to go over to the WAF or the IFA or something like that. Like, um, uh, it's interesting to me that you would do it that way, but it's, no, man, I would love to see you at that tournament. Yeah. I'm not, a, I'm not like, like I, I support the WAL wholeheartedly. I have from yeah. the minute I got in this sport. I think it's awesome. I think going mainstream is, is, is a very important thing, and I think they're doing an incredible job. I think it's progressing. However, I really, really enjoy tournament arm wrestling. Like, yeah. like Travis talked about it, I enjoy tournament arm wrestling. I enjoy the strategy involved in that because there's still strategy in tournament arm wrestling as there is in yeah. a, a five-round super match or a six-round guarantee. There's just as much strategy involved. Knowing when to not fight in a bad position. Knowing when, <laughs> to, when to foul, when to take a foul. Like all that stuff, and then you got to win as easy as you possibly can, as you possibly can, and then you have the X factor of not knowing what the bracket's going to give you. So it has that essence of gambling into it too. So I really, really enjoy it, and I think that these these portions like WAF, you know, Arnold's, AAA, USAA, these guys are like the foundation of the sport. They're what got us to the WAL, you know, the WAL era, or you know, whatever, whatever, whatever the next the next thing is. So I, I love I love I love the roots. I love the history of the sport. I don't know a whole lot yet, like as much as I as I really should. And that's why I tune into these podcasts a lot because the, the 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 wealth of knowledge that you guys have about the history is is really important to me. You know, I, I love to get down there to sit downs because it's an incredible amount of legends that come to sit downs in like the twilight of their career. And I'll just sit there and chop it up with them after the tournament and have way more fun than I did pulling just listening to their stories. So if I can support anything that those guys came from, I definitely want to. Plus, I want to be able to say I did it. Me and Paul Talbot talked about it, and Paul's talking about going back over to WAP because I think you know, he, he's never won a world title. So, I mean, if you're any type of competitor and there's a title out there that you don't have, you should probably kind of want to get it, you know? So I would love to eventually. Yeah. All right, um, Gabby, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, uh, well, regarding tournament arm wrestling, I, I always thought – um, the best arm wrestler is a tournament arm wrestler. I mean, um, there's so many variables you can't control. And you're talking about anxiety. There's a lot of anxiety in, in, in pulling one guy. Um, and right. one thing I do like about competitive uh, com- uh, tournament arm wrestling is that if you have a if you're if you have high anxiety, you can always and you're an elite puller, you can always maybe hope for a couple of gimme matches early, get your confidence up. Maybe not at worlds, but but still. So that's that kind of can can, can um, uh, help your stress levels. Uh, going back to the arm wrestling thing, I always thought uh, an elite arm wrestler or an arm wrestler is like a, a race car. Um, at your first couple of years, all you're doing is building the welds in in in, in the frame, um, and so everything you do is to secure that, that those welds. Once those welds are are secure, and the only way you're going to wel- uh, secure those welds is on the arm wrestling table, um, then you want to fine tune your engine, increase horsepower where you can, um, stuff like that. So I think in the first five years, three to five years, the table has to be huge. 
um, even if there's a lot of pain involved. After five years, and you're probably at, at close to that or maybe just under it, but um, um, you expedited it only because of your background and your, your genetics. But after five years, you can kind of, I'm not saying uh, you got to stay away from the table, but you can uh, focus more on gym and, and uh, refining your, your certain areas, right. um, knowing that the welds will hold in and you can just, uh, you know, try to increase uh, your engine's horsepower. Um, so I, I think at a certain right. point you have, you have to focus more on the, on, on the, in the gym or on just brutal, just, just sheer horsepower than, than uh, the specific nuances of table time. Right. At, at some point in time, you're lo- like, obviously you can always learn. But you yeah. get to a point learning wise where if you've traveled enough and learned from enough people where you, you, you have a solid enough base and a solid enough understanding. And like you said, when those welds sure up, when that wrist sure up, because everybody gets on the table, not everybody walks in with a great wrist or great. No. Hands. So once that stuff tightens up, you know, and that angle tightens down in your arm uh, and, and then you also have enough of an arm wrestling IQ. How much how much damage do you want to continue to do to those yeah. joints? You know, or how do you want to yeah. parse that out? So I guess I, I would ask I would, both of you guys your opinion on like training frequency and intensity on the table once you've gotten to that shirt up point. Uh, well, I mean that depends. I mean when I when I started arm wrestling, I was on the table once a week without fail. Um, it got to the point where the I couldn't my recovery wasn't keeping up with that table time because I was doing practices once a week, plus I was training in the gym four days a week at minimum, most of the time five days a week. And um, it got to the point where I dialed back to four or five days a week in the gym and one day on the table every two weeks. And that seemed to work fairly well. Uh, As I'm getting even advancing here even more in my age and my career and all that stuff, we're talking about going back to as a club once a week, but having a lot more discipline. So they're not a four hour practice. It's going to be like an hour and a half of very regimented stuff that we're doing. And um, there are so many factors to consider when you're talking about um, training intensity and all the variables you do. I also moved to a week, uh, one week of uh, volume, one week of power. So it's uh, almost a deload from the week two and recovery. So it's, um, there's so many different things to consider when you're training somebody. But I think the most important thing is people listening to their body and what your, their body is telling them. Yeah. yeah. Good answer. Um, for me, it's, um, because I'm always, even in, I try to stay away from the table. Uh, not always, but maybe, maybe twice a month on the table. The problem with the table is I've tried to go in and, and try to say, I'm just going to work one thing, or I'm just going to try to um, work on the attacking side of the table, but everyone always wants a piece of me and everyone wants to try my hook and everyone wants, and my ego will not let, will not say, sorry guys, I can't. So no matter how much pain or inflammation I have or, or what kind of target I have going in, yeah. it's thrown out the window and it's have a couple Red Bulls and just pull until I want to puke. And then, um, and then it takes about two, three weeks to recover. Um, I think you, you, I remember one quote from John Brzezink in 2006, I remember him saying when someone talking about it, is he trained for a term? And he says, at this point, I don't need to train. I just need to be healthy. And I'm the same yeah. way. Like if I, if I have a big tournament coming up, it's not so, what can I do after 15 years between now and, and, and two, what can I do? There's nothing, maybe I can make minute improvements, but basically my only right. real concern is if I have inflammation, you got to get that shit out of the, and, and go in as hundred, I can literally take a month off 
do fuck all and I won't lose any bit of performance. Um, but if I try to rush it and I try to do two a days or I try to do a lot of statics leading up and I come in at 95% or I come in with a sore elbow, you've just, I mean, you might feel like, oh, I've done something, but you really haven't done anything in terms of you performing that day. So at a certain point, you just have to think it's all about health management. And for me, all my training revolves around my elbow management. Does my elbow feel awesome? If it does, we're doing heavy statics, we're, we're getting on the table. If it's sore, it's dynamic stuff. If it's really sore, it's dynamic, lightweight stuff. Um, that's how I look at everything. Yeah. Well, Corey West has a question for Paul. Do you ever have plans on adding weight to pull supers later in your career? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. I'll gladly jump into a class. <laughs> Uh, but no, I'm like, my body wants to be, if I'm eating poorly, if I'm eating carbs and whatever, my body will settle in between 215 and 220. That's where it wants to be. It does like I, I, I could gain beyond that at my age now, but it wouldn't, you know, especially doing things naturally as, you know, I'm not going to be up there anytime soon unless I start really, really eating. Um, so, you know, when I'm clean, when I'm, when I'm clean, my diet's totally clean and I'm, I'm super regimented. My body will sit at like 208. That's where it wants to be. And I have no desire to be in order to compete in that class. You've got to be huge. <laughs> I mean, I know there's guys out there like Travis who, but even Travis, you know, Travis is still big. Yeah, he'll, yeah, be, he'll get up to 300 pounds. I'm, yeah. I'm you know, I'm 5'11", man. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll stay with that. <laughs> there was a question on here today. This is for me. It said, Ryan, are you serious today regarding your challenge to Wagner Bordelotto? Absolutely, I was serious. I would not back down from that challenge a little bit. Um, another comment, Devin is at the point where it's time to step down. Completely disagree with that. I think that's... <laughs> why, why would he do that? He just beat... Uh, one of the strongest. I mean, we can argue about the style of the way he won, but he, that's ridiculous. Quote unquote um, beat. Quote unquote asterisk beat. Yeah. Oh god, we, it's a W. It's a W. It counts. Yeah, it, it is a W for sure. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, listen, the bottom line is, is regardless of of where where Devin Larry is strength wise, as far as the world goes, he should never go anywhere. You know what what he brings to the sport and his his. Uh, his reach is unbelievable. You know, his personality, that alone, if you, you know, if he was arm wrestling from a wheelchair, he should still be arm yeah. wrestling. Yeah. I was just going to say him at 65 years old with crutches right. or a walker, he's still going to generate. And uh, I fucking, I, I'm, I'm harsh on him. I'm harsh on wall, but I was at the last tournament I went to a couple guys came up to me and started asking questions about wall. I didn't know them. And they started asking me questions about stuff. And I'm like, fuck wall has a reach. Like that right. is the premier um, viewing platform for any fucking arm wrestler out there. So regardless of my critique, I mean, shit, it's getting out there. It's people yeah, yeah. Are, are, you know, it's reaching everyone. It's weird, man. Yeah. It, 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 it's got a weird reach too. And I don't know, I don't know what's really, what, what, what algorithm algorithms Facebook uses, but like for, for one of those Facebook videos to, to pick up that kind of traction is crazy. Mm -hmm. So, well, Devin has transcended arm wrestling audiences. So, I mean, to say yeah. that the guy, there's some really co there's some comments on here I'm not going to read because it's talking a, a lot of shit about Devin, and I don't think he deserves it at this point. No. But uh, Gobby does enough of that for all of yeah. us. And <laughs> right. uh, there's one question here. It's a great. I think this is an awesome question. 
what if someone asked you what do you get out of arm wrestling what would the answer be to that question what do you get out of arm wrestling you it's you paul go ahead paul. I mean, absolutely yeah it's it's the ability it's, it's 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 so first and foremost it's the ability to compete at something beyond an age where you normally can compete athletically yeah. period end of story number two is the community aspect of it like Gavi said, you go to these tournaments and, and it, probably more than 50% of the reason you go is to chop it up with everybody and the people you haven't seen. And that's kind of, I mean, I've only been in sport for three years and I've already made, you know, you call them friends or acquaintances or whatever you want to call them. But like, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a certain fraternity aspect to it that is, is like no other. You know, so is there negativity in it? I know Doug Ehrlich talked about it on one of you guys' show. Yeah, sure, there's negativity. Sure, there's fake stuff. There's fake people. But I think a majority of the arm wrestling community is out to help the rest of the community. Um, and I think it's a cool little niche sport, and that's a huge thing. But competition is everything. The ability to continue to compete and to get – so and, and to give me a reason to train. I spent 10 years, you know, after not competing in football, just lifting weights just to lift weights. So, so for me, it's now I have a reason. Now I have a focus point. Now I have a target rather than just going to the gym to, to lift weights to look good. Yeah. Gobby? Yeah, Paul makes uh, all valid points. Um, the problem with arm wrestling is you can't, it can't be a conscious decision to, I'm just going to like, I like arm wrestling. I like the community. I'm going to make a conscious right. effort to e either, like I talked about it on another show, like, and so the one word that comes to my mind is just fucking passion. I don't care if it's badminton right. or croquet, but if something grabs you to the point where you wake, you wake up in the morning and you go through your daily stuff and you keep you think, thinking of this one thing, you go to bed at night thinking, how I can improve? How can I get my feet into it more? Or how can I, if it, if it consumes you positively on a, on a day in, day out, even hourly basis, um, what do you call that? That's, it's, you're blessed with a passion um, and it's not about being popular. It's not about making money. And I think all of us, the great thing about arm wrestling, like Paul said, it's a small community and we want it to grow. So we're all fairly, um, it's like a small family and all my friends, I mean, shit, I lose more. I mean, shit, friends. Are, I mean, I'll fucking, I mean, everyone I know right now, everyone I hang out with are arm wrestlers. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's, I guess it's just a, uh, it's something that can consume you and it either does or doesn't. And if it does, man, you're in for one hell of a fucking path. Like it's going to win or lose. You're just going to meet great people. You're going to have fun. You're going to go to practices. You're going to go. I mean, I still think the coolest thing about fucking arm wrestling is getting in a car with two, three guys when one guy has to fucking make weight and you're fucking stopping at Burger King and he's pissed off and you're laughing. And, and, you know, uh, one guy has a terrible day. One guy has a great day. Uh, you come back and you talk about it. You, I think that that fucking shit is, is invaluable. As you get older and you realize that you're going to start losing shit in life, you're going to start losing uh, your physique, you're going to start losing this and that. One thing you can always have is these fucking memories and, and it's, it's fucking awesome. Uh, I, I just think, yeah, if, if it consumes you, yeah, you're blessed. <clears throat> So my answer to that question is, um, what do I get out of arm wrestling? It's community. It's uh, it's also the fact that you're in a, it's a one-on-one -on -one combat sport. Um, I don't remember who might have been Devin that said it's the closest thing to getting in, a, or maybe it was Travis, closest thing to getting in a fist fight without punching somebody in the face. Like it's, it's a one-on-one -on -one sport where it's you and one other guy across the table from you. And aside from that, when I, what I first fell in love with was the camaraderie of the whole thing and the fact that there was so much community around it. And I've got to see the world. I've got amazing memories from the sport. 
and it kind of just sucks you in and you fall in love with it. Um, I've had lots of success along the way, but you know, I would have been participating in this sport anyway. And I've given a lot of my life to this sport. A lot of people have, and, um, also got to see the world and I got to travel the world. I got friends all over the world and I never would have done that without the sport of arm wrestling. You know, I dip my toe in some other things, but it's not the same. It's not the, not the same feeling, not the same experience. And, um, arm wrestling has always been awesome. And it, uh, for those that don't know, you need to find out. So if you're thinking about trying out arm wrestling, right. coming to a tournament, it's amazing. Uh, the guy, the people in it are awesome for the most part. Every once in a while, you'll run into a couple internet trolls that might uh, fire some shit at you. But <laughs> but they love the sport, too. Even though you raid their mini bar in Tokyo and they get mad and think it was someone else and it's caused rifts and relationships that last 15, 20 years. Yeah. I'll, I'll add on that, too. Um, I, I think um, <laughs> one great thing before arm wrestling, I was a runner. One thing I liked about runner, running is although I wasn't built to be a runner, I can succeed on pure will. And it's an individual sport where if you really want to battle out well with someone, you probably can unless they're that much more gifted. Arm wrestling is kind of the same thing. One thing I do love about arm wrestling, um, I'm not the most excitable guy, but every once in a while I go to I go on the table and, and a competition, and I, in my mind I think I think I've heard about this guy, I've never pulled him, I've never felt what he's like, but I have a feeling he could be stronger than me, and I'm a little bit worried. And anyway, so the match happens, and I find this is the absolute rush, and this is what addicts me. What I find addictive about the sport is the match stops, and I look across the table, and he's redlining, trying to pin me, and I'm at seventy percent, like it's a sixty-pound dumbbell in my hand, what I can max out at one ten, and I'm like, and I swing and pin him. I hit the table, and that, that just gets your dick hard. Like that is fucking arm wrestling. I, I fucking love that. The ambiguity, the ambiguity of not knowing if you can beat a guy or even have the power right. to to stop him, and to realize a second and a half later that yes, you do. Um, sometimes that works on the opposite spectrum and you lose. Right. But I think that is just an f- absolute fucking rush. Yeah. And the great thing about that rush is you can have it at 55 years old. You go into right. a tournament. Yes, you can't finish top three, but this is young punk and he, he lights you up, but you stop him and he, he thinks he has you dead to rights and you come back right. and you win on sheer will. Th- that is magical, man. That's glory right there. It's that, it's that little adrenaline, that like yeah. adrenaline rush, that anxiety you get before a fight, you know? Yeah. Like if, you have, if you have a scheduled fight in the neighborhood, you got to go to that. That feeling right before there, and then if you do, it works out. The feeling afterward is like nothing else. Yeah, because you've, you've, right. you've heard around the neighbor around the neighborhood that this guy, if he hits you, your lights out, yep. and he has a cr- yep. incredible hit, and then he just sucker punches you, and you're like, that ain't that bad. And, yeah, and you fucking <laughs> kick the shit out. I mean, that's yep. arm wrestling can be like that. And like you said, yep. what I love about arm wrestling, it's kind of like it simulates fighting, but there's no fucking head trauma. You know, right. you're not, you're, you know, and I love that. Even football, I played football. There's there's bad repercussions long term in football. Um, but so I think arm wrestling. If you're super competitive, you want to do it till you're like sixty. You love the individualist individualistic aspect of it, where if you win, it's because of you, and if you lose, it's because of you. Man, that's your sport. I think it's just it's great that way. Well, I see, yeah. I, I, and like what you're touching on, like uh, with, with the, the fight aspect. And I, you know, I was here, Devin equate arm wrestling to fighting. And I think, like strategically and, and and such, it can be. But I don't I don't get that feel at the armor, at, like at, at, during competition, especially against fiery opponents, like guys who are like chess beaters and they're trying to play mind games. I mean, how much are you guys affected by that? I mean, I largely don't. I mean, like intimidation in arm wrestling. I know Travis uses a lot of it. You know, he uses it to get himself worked up, gain a little bit of advantage. Those mind games are 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 definitely they definitely work. 
But my question to you guys is, does that really affect you? And if it doesn't, why not? That, that's a good question. I remember in high school, I was bullying this kid, some punk, and I, I ended up bullying him. And one day, he turns around, and, he saw, and I could see he saw red, and he was ready to fucking go. And although I was bigger and stronger, I wasn't ready to go. So mm-hmm. I, I diffused it, and I apologized. When every once in a while, I go to a table, and I see the guy is hell-bent on beating me. He's fucking pissed. And I'm, if I come in nonchalant, I'm going to get eaten. So when I see that, I, you'll see me step back from the table about three, four paces, and gather my shit. I won't, I won't beat my chest, but I will gather my shit and know that when the ref says, you know, I have to get everything I want. I cannot be taken. You know, he, I, I cannot let him have any concessions in the setup. And when that ref says, don't move, I have to be ready to fucking go all out because this guy is putting his whole tournament on beating me and he sees red. It's kind of like a fight. If one guy sees red and the other guy's coming in softly, one guy's going to get knocked out. I don't want to be knocked out. So I, I take a couple paces back and I, I tighten my shit. Yeah. Mind games are everywhere, man, and it's not just right at the table at the time. I'll tell you a quick story. When I went up with, uh, I went to the national championship very early in my arm wrestling career, and I think I had, uh, no, I hadn't won the Worlds in 2002, and I went to the Nationals the following year, and Mike Gould was there, and we were talking. He's asking me all these questions about, you know, what would you do with your matches? Oh, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. And then about, he's just building me up, building me up. And and then he looks at me as we're walking. We get called up for a match, and then in the mid, middle of like just building me up, he looks at me and goes, nobody gives a shit what you used to be able to do. And he walks to the table. <laughs> I was like, Phew. my mind was blown. And I, had a, I ended up losing that match. I had nothing. Man, it was uh, it messes with you, and you got to be ready for it. Travis is the next level. Mm-hmm. So there's nobody I would think better than the doing it than Travis. And I think arm wrestling with Travis as many times as I have, it has prepared me for every other situation I could possibly be in. And you shut it off. And it's not just at the table, it's leading up to it. Like I remember uh, at the Arnold's many years ago, I was, it's a long story about being abandoned in an airport and having to drive to Columbus from Toronto but Matt Mask was one of the guys that left me there. He was in my weight class when I got to Columbus, and I instantly, like, we we were pulling the tournament. We worked our way up, and we're about to face each other, and day one ends. So now 24 hours later, it's Matt and I, first match of the day. And I we know this, so I'm messing with him the whole time. And I'm, like, do saying crazy shit like Arnold used to say. Like, I phoned my mother already, and I told her I won. Like, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And at breakfast, he just goes outside and pukes all over the sidewalk. He, he was so messed up. And we had, a, we had a hell of a match. I ended up winning. But, uh, you know, mind games are a big part of it. Oh, yeah. Sometimes guys need to just shut their internet off. Like, right. get rid of their phone, shut off their social media for a month, mm-hmm. and get ready. Especially if you got a match with Devin because he's going to mess with you right. that entire time. And it doesn't, it doesn't even matter. By the time you get to... That match, your head's already gone. Like, you're messed with so much. And uh, I could almost see that a little bit, maybe even in Dave. Like, he, there was some genuine dislike there. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Muhammad Ali was an expert at that, getting into someone's yep. head and getting them angry because, really, you're not going to perform and, and be very focused if you're upset or angry or have some type of... Uh, yeah. yeah, see, there, but there's, there's, there's like weird repercussions to that. Like Muhammad Ali is arguably the greatest of all time, and 
Joe Frazier basically goes to his deathbed wishing ill will on Muhammad Ali. Yeah. So for me, I mean, yeah. I, like, I don't see where the – like, you know, took that man to the point where he hates you with every fiber of his soul. You know, when it comes to arm wrestling, is it worth it to do that to win an arm wrestling match? Yeah, um, I tend to agree with you. I don't. I, I still look at arm wrestling as a very traditional barbaric thing. Where if I need my opponent to be a little bit weaker, maybe I'm not strong enough. I still right. believe that uh, wrist to wrist, arm to arm, I shouldn't right. be running from anyone on earth under 170. And I figure if I got to make him, if I got to get into his head, maybe I'm not the guy I think I am. So I, I just think it's a, for me. I don't have to. I, I don't think I should. I mean, I'll troll. Don't get me wrong. I'll fucking troll. But the day of. I'm not looking to get in his head at all. I'm not looking to piss him off. I'm not looking to, I wish him the best and let's just have right. a good match. And I just hope that, um, because re- today so many times refing and setups can, can affect who the winner is. And I just really hope right. that that doesn't, that's not the case in my matches and, and the best man is the best man. Um, I think that's the most tragic thing in today's sport is, um, the better man didn't win because of X, Y, Z. Um, but anyway, that's part of the sport now and that's fine. Yeah. But, well, boys, uh, the comments are piling in still. I can't keep up with them. I'm sorry, you guys. We're at about the hour and a half mark. I think we should probably wrap it up here, guys. Uh, Paul, the floor is yours, man. What is next for you? And if you want to plug anything, uh, now's your chance. Uh, I don't know. I mean, next will probably be uh, next WAL uh, next season. See what see what hold what what the what the future holds there. Um, I'll do some local tournaments here. I'll support James and, and up in CNY arm wrestlers. Always going to support him with the local stuff and just support the local events around here with my team. Uh, as far as plugs go, uh, lethal arm subs. My buddy Justin Bear. That's a yeah. Got got to plug my buddy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just want to say thank you uh, for having me on, guys. I, I, I follow the show regularly. I think it's important what you guys are doing. I think you bring a different perspective that needs to be heard. I mean that wholeheartedly. Otherwise, I wouldn't tune in. Um, I appreciate you both and, and kind of what you bring to the table. So anything I can ever do to help support you guys, just just let me know. Yeah, I got a question for you, Paul. I didn't know you're an Eagle an Eagles fan. Um, but, so, but now that I know you're an Eagles fan, are you are you old enough? Are you old enough? To, this isn't a, I'm not I'm not trying to provoke or, to, or troll. Do you are you old enough to remember Reggie White? Yes, dude. In in the in the mid '80s, that that they had such a defense with uh, with with Buddy Ryan and. Reggie yes. White was special. I remember Lawrence Taylor, oh Reggie White, Bruce Smith, two most, three most special players I've witnessed, and he was fun to watch. Yeah, he was, he was unbelievable. Fucking, that yeah. that club and rip was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. 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 As far as being an Eagles fan go, that's because that's. Because, I mean, I grew up in Pennsylvania. Yeah. If you're either a Pittsburgh fan or an Eagles fan. You decide yeah. when you're like two. Yeah. And and when it comes to professional sports right now, football. Be I am not a professional football fan. I do not watch football. Penn State. I, I coach high school football. Oh, high school. By the time okay. I yeah. put my forty-hour work week into that, I do not want to watch okay. football on on a Sunday. I hate football after after football Fair season. Enough. So I don't really. Fair I enough. follow it loosely, and then in the playoffs when we're done. So, awesome. To, I've had so much football in my life that I could do without some of it. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Do not hang up yet. I'm going to stop the recording so we make sure everything is good. Uh, for those watching, we had a ton of Q&A come in this week. We didn't get to any of it. So Gabby and I are going to have to shoot some of it later on, and that's okay, too. All right, yeah. boys. Everybody, it's been a slice. But don't hang up, you guys. No, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs>